God, we ask that even as we as we take a moment uh, away from singing to, to looking at your word, that we would just continue this, this attitude of worship. God, that we would give you our attention because you're a God who's worthy of that. God, we ask that you would get rid of distractions so that we can take next steps. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen, church. Amen. I feel like I could say he is risen. <laughs> it feels like Easter in here. This is the sm smallest service of the morning, and you guys are just singing your hearts out. And man, thank you to our worship teams for leading us. And we are looking forward to Easter and uh, celebrating together. Good Friday's coming, Easter services, you saw the times, make sure you make plans for that. But as we approach uh, Good Friday and Easter, uh, these three weeks leading up, we're launching into a new message series here at the chapel called Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. And I know for some of us, you know, depending on how long you've been around church or how long you've, you know, kind of been exploring the Bible, it's easy to kind of get Take a deep dive. You know, I'm just going to read through the Bible in a year. Dive into the Old Testament. Pretty soon you're like, what is going on? Like, I am so lost, and this is so hard to understand. And sometimes it's easy to just jump over to the New Testament because it feels a little more relevant. But let me tell you that the Old Testament, it is so relevant to our lives and to all that we need to know and explore. And what we're going to find over these three weeks is that all of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. And that even though his name is not mentioned once in the pages of the Old Testament scriptures, he is there. And we're going to discover him together. Now, again, depending on where you've been at in your journey with the scriptures, the Bible as a whole, it's made up of two um, two kind of parts, what we call the New Testament and the Old Testament. The New Testament, more of us are familiar with. There's 27 books, starts in the Gospel of Matthew. The New Testament includes a, the record of Jesus' life, mostly written by people that knew Jesus, saw Jesus, witnessed Jesus. Uh, the life and birth of the, of the early church, Paul's letters to the church, helping them figure out what it really looks like to follow Jesus with one another, and then ultimately leading to the book of Revelation, which is this powerful picture and consummation of God redeeming all things and making things ultimately right again. But it all begins in the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament makes up like two-thirds of our Bibles. It begins in the book of Genesis. Uh, you find books of wisdom and history and prophecy and uh, poetry and ultimately walking us into the birth of Christ. So we want to take some time over these next three weeks. Next weekend, we'll look at Jesus and the Old Testament law. If you've ever, you know, read some of those Old Testament laws and been confused, and like, well, what does that mean? And how does that apply? Or does it apply? Or, well, we'll talk about that. And then the following week, right before Easter, we'll look at Jesus and prophecy. But this weekend, we want to take some time to focus on Jesus beginning in the book of Genesis, uh, and specifically through a promise that God made to a man named Abraham. And we're going to see Jesus in this part of the Old Testament as well. And as we study the Bible, and as we really look at the story of both the Bible and of history, it's really a story of God on mission. 
that God has a mission. We see that from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it's the creation story. And, and we, we read about all that God created, including those first two human beings. And God was on mission to have a relationship with people. He creates Adam and Eve, and they're walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and God's speaking to them, and they're relating to God, and there's this glorious freedom. That's Genesis 1 and 2, but Genesis 3 happens, and they're deceived, and they disobey God's playbook for life and joy and happiness, and sin and pride enters into the world, and all of a sudden, Adam and Eve are hiding from God, and there's this, there's this chasm now that's created between God and humanity. But God is still on mission, and God's looking to redeem people and to restore people despite pride and evil and the, the ways of the enemy that had infiltrated humanity as we know it. In Genesis chapter 3, we come to a one of the first promises really pointing to a future hope. And these are God's words to Satan himself, the enemy of our souls, the one that had deceived Adam and Eve. And, and God says to him, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now there is more than we have time to unpack right in that small verse but long story short, it's a promise that God was making that the woman would give birth and out of her lineage would come one, a redeemer, a restorer, who would deal a fatal and final blow to the work of Satan himself. That's the promise that we hold on to. But then Genesis chapter 4, things don't get any better. Cain and Abel. These are Adam and Eve's sons, and the Bible says sin was crouching at Cain's door, and Cain is filled with, with jealousy of his brother, and he kills Abel. In Genesis chapter 6, the story of Noah, God's word says that God looked at humanity and saw that the intentions of everyone's hearts and minds was evil all the time. It says God was grieved. And he decided to flood the earth, to wipe it clean again. And yet God was on mission. So he chooses one, Noah, out of all, and his family, because God longs to have a relationship with people. Well, the story goes on. Genesis chapter 7 through 11, it's just like moral decay. People continue to turn against God, turn on one another we get to the end of Genesis chapter 11, and humanity has become so prideful when God told them to go forth and multiply and fill the earth. They're all gathered in one place. They build this great tower in homage to their glory and their power. And so God spreads the people out. He confuses their languages, and all of a sudden we have different languages and different people groups that are scattered all over the world, but God is still on mission. And he's going to one day, as we'll see in just a little while, bring all those people groups, all those nations back together to worship him fully. We come to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And God is on mission, and out of all the people, 
he again decides to choose one to show his grace and favor to. It says, the Lord said to Abram, who would become Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will yet show you. Now think of, think of this, if you're Abram, like God shows up and just says out of nowhere, there, there's nothing in the scriptures that make us think that Abraham was a faithful follower of God. In fact, he came from a pagan culture. He came from a family of idol worshipers. And yet God reaches down, speaks to Abraham, and Abraham answers in the affirmative and is willing to follow God, to do what he wants him to do. And look at what it says. God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you famous. Hold on to that, because we're going to talk more about that. God said, I'm going to make you famous, Abraham. I'm going to bless you. And he says, you will be a blessing to others. He says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So humanity is not getting any better. And yet God is on mission. And he chooses Abraham and he makes this promise to Abraham. Out of sheer grace, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to make you famous and I'm going to make you a blessing. And Abraham did become famous. You know, 308 times Abraham's name is mentioned in the scriptures. In Hebrews chapter 11, known as the great hall of faith, like, Abraham is there. If, I mean, if there, was a, if there was a Mount Rushmore of the Bible, Abraham's name would be first. It would be there. Abraham be, would become the great patriarch of Judaism, of Christianity, and even referred to in the, in the religion of Islam. Abraham is known all over the globe, even in places where people haven't heard the name of Jesus they might know the name Abraham, but the greatest blessing in Abraham's life was not the number of children that he had, the nations that arose out of him. The greatest blessing that Abraham had was his faith, that he followed God, that, that he trusted God with his life. And as a result, God would use Abraham not just to be blessed, but also to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. It's like, it's like when you think about it, we were not created and Abraham was not created to be just a reservoir where, where the blessings of God just continue to come. And man, we're grateful when God blesses us, aren't we? In whatever way. In, in work, in family, in relationships, in finances. Anything that God gives is such a blessing. But we weren't created to be just reservoirs of blessing. We were created to be rivers so that God's blessings could flow through us just like God blessed Abraham so that he would be a river, so that there would be a, a flow, a flood of blessing that would come through Abraham's life to many others. And that brings us to the very opening pages of the New Testament. Lots of other things happen in the history of the Old Testament, but they're all 
pointing to the promise that God made. In fact, that, that promise that God made to Abraham to, to be a blessing and to, to bless others, God would make to Abraham, then he, he would make it to Isaac, Abraham's son, and then to Jacob, Abraham's grandson, and on through the lineage, God would bless, remember, all people from all nations all over the world. Brings us to Matthew 1.1. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. You see, what was promised to Abraham would ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. And although humanity had gone haywire, God was still on mission. And so he makes this promise, this ancient promise to Abraham way back then, and years and years and years later, when everybody's wondering, well, is, is there still hope? Is there a promised one? Is God going to stamp his foot on Satan's head and crush him forever? Is he going to make all things right? And God is a promise maker, but he is an even better promise keeper. And he comes through in the person and work of Jesus. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament and all these letters to the churches, in his letter to the Galatians, he says these words, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. And so what, what Paul is saying is that these blessings that probably the normal Jewish person of the day thought was for them that they were God's only chosen people, God was expanding and sharing through Christ to all people, including the Gentiles, which that's most of us sitting here in this room. And somebody told somebody, and somebody told somebody else, and somebody told somebody else after that, until eventually the news got down to us that there was good news through Christ that we too can be blessed and be a blessing. And he says, the blessing that's promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers, that through our faith, just like Abraham put his faith in God's truth, we so put our faith in the truth of God's word that says that Jesus came to save our souls, to forgive us of our sins, and that when we put our faith in him, we too can be restored in a relationship, a living relationship with God and that we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And then I love Galatians 3.29. Look at it with me. It says, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, and you are heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you through Christ. Jesus was there in the Old Testament all along. We see the promise to Abraham and the fulfillment ultimately in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Now, we started our, uh, our, our study today looking at the book of Genesis, the creation account and God's ancient promise to make things right. And what we find at the very end of the Bible is the consummation of all that God has said. 
and John has this grand vision of the future, and that's what he records in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10, look at the picture that he paints, that he sees in the future. It says, After this I saw a vast crowd too great to count. And who was this crowd? Where were they from? From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Do you see how it's all coming full circle? Because God is on mission. And he longs to have a relationship with people. And even though humanity has been scattered, today there's 17, over 17,000 different dialects, people groups, languages. And the, the, the end of the story is that we, with many others from all nations, will gather before Jesus. And look at what it says, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb, and they were clothed in white robes, and they held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Jesus means the Lord saves. And through Jesus, all of humanity can be rescued if we become children of Abraham, children of faith, putting our faith ultimately in Jesus the Christ. Christopher Wright says, and if we are in Christ, we, are not, only, we not only share in the blessing of Abraham, we are commissioned to spread the blessing of Abraham. You guys, this is why we are still here as a church. Jesus has not yet fully returned and he, he has not stamped his foot on the head of Satan to end evil forever. And until that happens, Jesus has commissioned his church to carry forward this message, to be a blessing. Yes, to pour his blessing upon our lives through Christ, but then to be a blessing. Not to be reservoirs, but to be a river of God's love and grace to a world that desperately needs it. You know, one of the greatest uh, preachers ever known is the great Billy Graham. Billy Graham was gathered before a large uh, body of people one time, and he was reflecting and kind of giving the call reflective of the very words of Jesus, and in, in, in only the way that Billy Graham could, he, you know, with that deep, booming voice, he'd said, come to me and be forgiven. Come to me and find life. Come to me and get rest for your souls. But then he finished saying, and go. Come and go. Go into all the world. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and be my witnesses everywhere, nearby and far away. And he finished his speech saying, come and find this but then go. Come and be blessed. Go and be a blessing. This is what God's called us to. You know, over the course of this COVID craziness, so many things have been limited, haven't they? But God has not been limited. 
and the gospel of Jesus continues to go out. Last weekend, um, well over 40, 50 people were baptized between our three campuses. God's working in people's hearts, young and old. And in this summer, we're going to get to send our first team since COVID and quarantine on a short-term mission. Maybe for some of you that are here, maybe that's how God is calling you to go and to be a blessing, to, to join our Mexico mission team. And if you want more info about that, um, out at the Welcome Center today, there's some info cards, and you can just show your interest or ask some questions, uh, reach out and let us know that you're interested in that. Maybe, that's, maybe that is the way you've been blessed and now God's calling you to be a blessing to others that are in desperate need. People living in dire poverty. And we, with the partnership that we have in Mexico, can be a part of being a blessing to others because Jesus has blessed us so much. Or maybe for us it's more day-to-day -day and practical. If, if God has blessed us in Jesus, how are we going to live as a blessing to other, the other people in our lives. Husbands, wives, how this week are we going to be a blessing to our spouse? Kids, how, 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 how's God calling you to be a blessing to your parents or to, to your friends or to your classmates? Guys, how's God calling us to be a blessing to our, our coworkers and our neighbors? He's calling us to live out His love and to act upon that so that people will be blessed, and that will happen because we have been a blessing to them, pointing them to Jesus. And you know what? Maybe God, is, maybe God is ready to open a door of opportunity for you to share this incredible news of Jesus with somebody else this week. Who's your my three? Who, who are you praying regularly for to say, Lord, I want to have the opportunity to influence them for your kingdom. Help me to be a blessing so that my life reflects you, so that others want more of who you are. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you, your, your word has spoken and from long, long ago to a culture that's very different than ours, to people that are very different from us, and yet, the hope of Jesus, the promised one, is the answer for all of us. God, thank you for choosing people like Abraham and Noah and David. Lord, the way that you chose to bless them and then use them in this world. And somehow this message of grace has come to us. God, for anybody that's here today that doesn't truly know you, has not discovered the blessing of knowing Jesus, God, would you help them to have the courage to share that, to ask questions, to come and talk, and, and to have the courage to, like Abraham, to, to hear your voice and to say, I'll follow. And Lord, for all the rest of us here, Help us to recognize just how blessed we have been and then use us this week. Maybe we be rivers of your blessing in other people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
hey, our team's going to come by and dismiss you, but we do want to remind you, if you want 